Welcome to the Knowledge Institute podcast, Cyberbytes edition. In today's podcast, we are talking about where we are on the cybersecurity curve. We are covering the history of cyber threats, the evolution of CISO role over the years, and giving you our long-view vision of cybersecurity. I'm Yulia Deberry, cybersecurity lead and podcast producer for the Infosys Knowledge Institute. Today, I'm here with Vishal Salvi. Vishal is Senior Vice President, Chief Information Security Officer and Head of the Cybersecurity Practice at Infosys. In December 2020, a major IT firm was hacked. The breach of SolarWinds went undetected for months and could have exposed data in the highest reaches of government, including the US military and the White House. It is a reminder that even those at the very top of the cybersecurity industry can be compromised. It's ironical that one of the topmost cybersecurity consulting firms got impacted and had to actually disclose a very large cybersecurity breach. The first thing that the hackers did was that they identified vulnerabilities in the SolarWind cybersecurity architecture or controls, and they exploited that vulnerabilities to get into their systems. Once they were there in their systems, they could get access to their CI-CD pipeline, which was developing the code for their software. And once they got into that, they could go and compile a mal code or a backdoor into one of their software, which was called Orion. And it became an update. So it got compiled. The code was compiled with the mal code installed by the hacker onto the Orion software as an update without any errors. After that, it was around out of the 33,000 customers that they had for SolarWinds Orion, 18,000 customers downloaded that update, which installed that backdoor successfully onto those 18,000 organizations or 18,000 instances. Clearly, if SolarWinds had a good cybersecurity posture, then they could have prevented this because for somebody to go and compromise your CICD pipeline, and get a malcode compiled into your official release version of your software is an extremely rare event. You would have to bypass and understand everything about your compilation for that to happen. In my mind, that is the root cause of this problem. And I think this lesson is a very important lesson for every software development organization or every software product development organization that integrity of your code has to be 100%. And my anticipation is that there would be a lot more standards which will come to ensure that we get more assurance on the integrity of your code in future, especially if we start seeing more of such attacks coming in future, then that regime is going to be a very important aspect. This recent attack was very sophisticated. To develop the best practices for fighting frequent and sophisticated cyber attacks, companies need to leverage cutting-edge technology and be ahead of the curve. In this episode, we will try to understand where we are on the curve. It all started as an innocent experiment. The 1970s marked the beginning of the era of experiments. That's when Bob Thomas created Creeper, one of the first successful self-replicating programs that could spread itself over the network, moving from one computer to another. The program did no harm, but displayed a message on the screen saying, I'm the creeper, catch me if you can. 
To catch the creeper, Roy Tomlinson developed Reaper, a program designed to catch the virus. Reaper was the first step towards creating an antivirus program, but the first true antivirus programs were developed 20 years later. And as we know, in every aspect of our social or professional life, there are always adversaries or people who want to break the norms and societal rules to their own benefits with nefarious activities. The era of experiments ended with the Morris Worm in 1988. The program was created with no malicious intent, but it got out of control and caused serious economic damage. Although the Worm did not delete or damage files, it made computers so slow they were basically unusable. The incident showed how vulnerable computers were and forced software vendors to take flaws in their products seriously. The Morris Worm not only exposed computers' vulnerabilities, it also inspired criminal minds. In 1989, the era of innocence came to an end. Over the next 10 years, the foundation of cyber criminality was laid down. Criminals realized that breaching computer systems could be profitable. That has been the evolution of cybersecurity. And so we started seeing malcode being written with not so much of adversarial motivation. But then, over a period of time, we started seeing easier methods by which one could write virus or a malware and then extract and start having financial transactions or unauthorized transactions. In 1994, Vladimir Levin tricked Citicorp system and transferred $10 million to accounts located in different countries. Eventually, Levin was caught and the bank recovered all the money. So what? What did it lead to? By the mid-90s, businesses recognized a need to create specialized cybersecurity offices, and Citicorp Bank created a new C-level position, known as Chief Information Security Officer. And just like that, Steve Katz became the world's first CISO. After the Citicorp hack, security became more than a technology issue. It was a business risk. But was the CISO role the same as today? And perhaps he was the first CISO that we know of. But my sense is that the role per se came into prominence only in early 2000. Until then, he may not have been called as CISO, but it was still a responsibility to manage the information security risk for the organization. So back in 1990, this was not a well-defined role at all. And I almost got into cybersecurity by accident and not by design. And that is the case with most of my colleagues during that time. So initially, it was a part of the IT operations. It was called IT security. And then I think the role has evolved. It started transforming into a leadership mid-management and leadership role in 2000s. By 2000, the internet had spread massively throughout the world. Hackers started to target servers and public websites. They quickly learned how to exploit internet vulnerabilities and do more damage. Attackers could infect PCs, steal information, send spam, create phishing pages and direct an entire network of computers to launch DDoS attacks. During the internet era, the number of known computer worms circulating around the internet has spread exponentially. By the mid-2000s, there were more than a million. Frequent attacks made companies reconsider their security priorities and recognize cyber attacks as a major corporate issue. In 2004, the global cybersecurity market was worth $3.5 billion. In the mid-2000s, 
cyber threats became political as governments realized that digital attacks can be used for spying purposes and cause physical disruption. Cyber criminals started to target states, cities, and critical infrastructure. This impacted national security and cost businesses millions of dollars. During this era, the first state-sponsored cyber gangs were formed. It also became evident that any country with a sufficiently well-developed network infrastructure is vulnerable to cyber threats. But why businesses should care about all these geopolitical tensions? There is issue of collateral damage because there are many fish in the pond. When you put a bait, you don't know which fish will go and catch the bait. So whenever you put a malware or a, a threat on the internet, although it may be intended to a particular set of organizations or targets, given the nature of how technology and digital is, the moment you come in contact with the threat, you are likely to get impacted because you have the same vulnerabilities that others have. So I think if you look at the modus operandi of this state-sponsored advanced persistent threat, we all know that they would prefer to be in the stealth mode. Solar winds attack is also, the intention was never disruption or ransom or any financial gains. It was all about collecting data and you could collect data from any potential asset of interest. So you will spread your net across various organizations. And invariably, in today's connected digital world, there is interdependency between different countries. There are trades, money markets, capital markets. Everything is linked and hyper-connected. Something happening in one continent or one country impacts the rest of the world. So therefore, what happens is that when you start propagating these threats and malware, even if it is not intended for you and you become a victim, you would always have some information which will be of strategic interest for an adversarial country. Whether you're collecting data from defense organizations or collecting data from government organizations or collecting data from national critical assets. So therefore, you need to worry about it because it's real. So during this period, organizations became more risk-oriented. CISOs adopted a risk-based approach. They had to assess the big picture, risks, and report to CSU. 2010 marked the era of expansion, also known as the era of major breaches. Attacks got more expensive and could damage physical infrastructure. A cyber attack could affect a company's reputation, result in outflow of clients and even bankruptcy. During this era, hackers frequently launched zero-day attacks, compromised smart devices and used aggressive social engineering tactics. They also interfered with presidential elections and altered the public's opinion by spreading false news. In 2011, the value of the global cybersecurity market was $64 billion. It grew 100% by the end of the era. In 2019, the global cybersecurity market's estimated worth was $156.45 billion. This era saw introduction of new tech such as Internet of Things, migration to cloud, and social media becoming widely used. This led to the creation of new privacy and data regulation laws like GDPR, and CCPA. The interesting aspect of cybersecurity has been that it has been a gradual change. In a certain way, it has been a cat and mouse game. There has been a massive adoption of digital, especially if you look at in the last two, three years, when we're talking about cloud, we talk about dispersion of data, we talk about inversion of the data centers into cloud and endpoints. There are multiple trends in terms of adoption of open source, adoption of containers, DevSecOps, 
multiple things happening at the same time in technology world. The foundational message for us in our small way at Infosys is the message of secure by design. So whenever you're designing or building new solutions, think about security. When internet was born, nobody really worried about security of the internet. That's how it was designed. And only when we started seeing the flaws which have been exploited, we started thinking about what we need to do. When we now look at 2020s, a lot of boards are taking direct interest in governing the way cybersecurity is going to get managed within organizations. New technology and new regulations added another function to the role of a CISO. Not only they had to assess strategic security concerns and unknown risks, but also know how privacy regulations affected their organizations, where the data was stored and how it was secured. In 2020, we entered the mainstream era, where cybersecurity has become top of mind. Cybersecurity now is on the board agenda. The way the role has changed is that it is a role which is accountable to provide the assurance to the board. But also the board itself has started playing an important role in governing and ensuring that there is a proper strategic intent that the organization has in terms of driving the issue of managing the cybersecurity risk for a given organization. 50% of the boards are directly taking responsibility right now of the cause of cybersecurity. And I think that percentage is going to grow rapidly and it's going to become 100% in the next year to 18 months. So as a result of that, CISOs would be expected to elevate their narrative and should be in a position to engage at the various leadership levels and various board levels and should be able to give that assurance by fundamentally also making sure that assurance is on sound foundation of a very robust cybersecurity program. So in a nutshell, you need to have a very sound leader who's delivering on the goals and then is also able to communicate that effectively with the board. CISOs play a crucial role in organizations. Since mid-90s, their role has evolved from mainly being IT security administration to multifold complex C-level position. They have a multifunction where they need to understand cutting-edge technology, regulations and privacy laws, assess risks and have board conversations. Today's cybersecurity solutions focus their defenses on workplace transformation, cloud adoption, digital transformations, and borderless architecture. According to Infosys Knowledge Institute's recent Tech Compass report, digital technologies like 5G, software-defined networking, artificial intelligence, machine learning, blockchain, big data, and open source are also rising. The global cybersecurity market is rapidly growing and it is projected to reach 326.4 billion by 2027, according to Grandview Research. So, what can we learn from the history? Will we face more cyber attacks? And what is the future of cybersecurity? If I have to just put a crystal ball and gaze in terms of what can we expect in future, it has to be looked at from the context of where we are. And we know, for example, the internet as we know it will continue to exist because I don't see there is any alternative. In fact, if you see internet has become more robust, more stable and more reliable than even your corporate connectivity models. That is the reason why we are able to effectively communicate and be hyper productive in the times when most of the people are working from home. So about the resilience of internet, the adoption of digital and the fact that 
we have always seen a high frequency of attacks happening every year on year it is fair to expect that this problem is only going to grow and become more and more mainstream as we go in the future and so the world of cybersecurity and professionals will continue to exist for at least 2 to 3 decades like we have seen in last four decades and we have always looked at any adversities and any crisis which have come our way we have found out a way to navigate through that whether it is covid or pandemic i think the future is not very bleak if it gets worse eventually it will get better because that is what history has taught us and so i think we will not allow it to go out of control but at the same time the situation as it is right now it's a problem and it needs to be managed so it's very difficult to say whether the number of breaches can come down or we can have this problem completely under control because there are a lot of things that has to happen for that to be in place so if you want to really solve this problem one is we need to fundamentally resolve the way in which we are able to connect which means right now there is a big air gap between a human and a computer and that air gap is a big problem attribution is very difficult and so on and so forth so that's number one number two is we need to ensure that we are able to apprehend and attribute these attacks to the individuals at this stage it is very difficult to do attribution and it is very difficult apprehending people and that is because it is very difficult to have international cooperations it is very difficult to trace individuals and even if you trace the individual we have local country laws international laws and it does not allow you to do that and the big challenge is that there is a race for cyber war it is very easy to orchestrate espionage and do your spy games using cyber as compared to the traditional warfare which is expensive and it has got physical and border constraints which are not there for that so this race needs to stop and we need to start putting some controls and balances now all these three things are extremely difficult things to be achieved in a short term but hypothetically if these three issues and there are many more but these three prominent issues that come to my mind are tackled then there is a hope to reduce the number of attacks in future So the future of cybersecurity depends on the choices made by companies, governments and law enforcement agencies. With better cooperation and secure design of the solutions and software codes, we can secure our future from more sophisticated attacks. You have been listening to the Cyberbytes edition of the Knowledge Institute podcast. You can find details on our show notes and transcripts at infosys.com/iki. in our podcast section. We hope this discussion will help you make the right decisions to secure your future. If you're interested to learn more about the different cybersecurity areas, read our new article called Longview Vision. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and give us a rating and review. Until next time, keep learning and keep sharing.